got love for you, man. Okay. What are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take it serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome back to the Cabbie Presents podcast. Thank you, Rod Smith, the voice of God, for the introduction. I'm your host, Cabbie Richards. If today feels like a day you want to give a podcast five stars, consider this one. That's about the best day ever to give a podcast five stars. I'm open to five stars, so if you're generous, I'd appreciate it. Big digital hugs for you. So a couple stories before I get to my main guest, who was my original man crush. I'll get to that in just a second. I went to see boxing in real life. There was an event at the Air Canada Center recently, and the main event was Badu Jack, who's from Sweden, versus Adana Stevenson, who's Canadian, by way of Haiti. It was awesome. This is the first time I got to see a fight ringside. I went to a UFC event at the Air Canada Center, sat way in the bleachers. It wasn't the same. And it's rare to see a stage in the middle of that arena, which is generally for concerts, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Raptors. I once saw a Jay-Z concert, the 444 tour. We had a circular stage in the middle of the arena. And I had floor seats, so that was pretty cool. But seeing a boxing event there was awesome. And when the fighters, they hit each other in the face and the sweat explodes on every connection, it is amazing. It's violent, but it's amazing. I can understand how those HBO and those Showtime documentaries or those features that lead up to fights look so incredible in slow motion and the way that they're edited and just the visuals look amazing because seeing it up close in real life was awesome. So Badu Jack, I think he was a challenger. He was around 35. Adonis Stevenson is 40, and he was defending his WBC light heavyweight belt. Scheduled for 12 rounds. It went 12 rounds. Like, the conditioning is unbelievable. The endurance and then the mental willpower is just like, it's off the charts. I just can't, I don't have that. Uh, in my DNA, so I respect fighters so much. And Adonis controlled the first six rounds. Badu controlled the latter six rounds. The 11th round, Adonis seemed to win. And the fight ended in a draw, a majority draw. So two of the three referees ruled it a draw, essentially a tie. And one of the ref- uh, the officials, one of the judges, excuse me, ruled it in favor of Badu Jack. There's no timetable set for the rematch, but there will be a rematch. Floyd Mayweather was there because Badu Jack fights under Mayweather promotions. And at one point, this fan, this like overzealous fan, tried to approach Floyd Mayweather, who was sitting ringside, in between rounds or in between fights to get a photo. I'm like, my dude, the likelihood that you're going to get a picture with Floyd Mayweather, who's surrounded by bodyguards, is a better likelihood that a Tesla would come tumbling from outer space 
and land in the middle of the ring than you getting a photo of Floyd Mayweather. Wait, May- a photo with Floyd Mayweather. Of course this guy was apprehended. He was, man, he just got cut off quick. And Floyd is a small dude. He's like, I don't know, he's like the same size as Kevin Hart. I don't know if, I'm sure there are photos of Floyd Mayweather and Kevin Hart out there online. But if you still, like, I don't know if there are any photos of them looking at each other eye to eye, but they're about the same height. And Kevin Hart might be a little bit heavier than Floyd Mayweather. Either way, not a large human, but he rolls with large humans. That guy's security detail looks like the offensive line for University of Texas or something. After the fight, I got to spend some time in Adonis Stevenson's locker room. I did an interview with him a few weeks before the fight, and it and it aired on TSN about a week before the fight. It was really fun. He put Sharpie on my face. He joked about, like, his training, his, like, weight-cutting measures. He was a great interview. So I'm in this dressing room. There's, like, you know, 40, 50 friends and family, a lot from Quebec that made the drive in from Montreal, which is about – or traveled in from Montreal. I don't know if they all drove, but Montreal is about six hours away from Toronto, six hours east of Toronto. So at some point, you know, you know, after the fight, you know, the fighters just got to chill, decompress. They get a blood test. They shower, go to the press conference, get another blood test. Like some variation of that schedule. At one point, I went into like the back. There's like the, you know, there's a dressing room, which is just a regular sort of square shape. And then there's a back area where there's the showers, where there's like a bathroom and just an area. And then, you know, there's a table where athletes get, you know, stretched out and massages and that sort of thing. So I was back there just about to say peace to Adonis and it was great seeing him compete. And then there were two people from either the Ontario Fight Commission or perhaps the WBC. I'm not sure because they didn't have name tags or T-shirts that said, hey, this is the <laughs> this is the commission I represent. But they were taking a second blood test. And I was like, oh, I, I got to get out of here. Like, it was cool to see, but I'm like, I have, I have zero business being back there. In fact, just my, my breath alone or my, or my body odor probably tainted the sample. You know, as I'm, as I'm watching from like 15 feet away, I mean, I'm, I'm contaminating this place. I need to get out of here. So I did. So I sort of gave him a nod and sort of the peace sign. And, and I look forward to the rematch. He was a great interview. If you have time to look it up on YouTube. I encourage you to do so. Second story. In high school, in grade 12, my coaches went to a football camp in Indiana. And when they returned before my grade 13 year in Ontario, we had something called OAC grade 13. One of my coaches told me to watch a guy named Eddie George from The Ohio State. I played running back. I wasn't very good. I also played linebacker. Also was not very good. So he's like, watch this player. That year, um, Eddie George won the Heisman. He was a beast. 6'3", 240. My guy ran like the wind and also like a runaway freight train. He was amazing. And that's when I fell in love with the Ohio State, just watching this dude named Eddie George. And then he got drafted by the Houston Oilers. So I became, my NFL allegiance followed him and, and now became a Houston Oilers fan and then Tennessee Titans fan. He was the first of my man crushes. Kobe is like the most famous one because I've interviewed Kobe like 20 times and people have seen me at various points of my career bugging the hell out of Kobe Bryant. But Eddie George was my original man crush. And there was a time in 2004, I was in LA for the NBA All-Star Weekend. I saw him at a party and I did not approach him because I didn't want 
my perception of Eddie George to be rude, just in case he wasn't in a great mood or just in case, like, I don't know, we were at a party, so he probably wasn't in a good mood. But I just didn't want to mess it up. Like I, So I was just afraid to approach him. Now, in the podcast, before... You know, before we started, I didn't reveal any of the man crushing that I used to do with Eddie George because I just didn't want it to be weird. It was going to get weird in the conversation, and it does get weird, as, as you'll hear in a few moments. I was gun-shy about telling him, like, hey, man, hey, bro, like, you used to be my favorite player, all that kind of stuff. Because, like, at some point, athletes are tired of hearing that. Even though they're generally nice or, like, humbled by it, they're probably, like, they've been told, like, thousands of times in their lives that, oh, you're my favorite player, like, I used to watch you, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, it's just, at some point, it's just noise. I don't know, I'll probably see this legend again, and it might be different, but I didn't fanboy. And I encourage fanboying. Like, listen, it's, it's fine to humble yourself in front of greatness or in front of people that have accomplished tremendous things, be it in intellectual fields or be it in ath- athletic endeavors or in the arts. Like, hey, give them their props. They worked hard. They have talent. They deserve it. Okay, that's the end of the lecture. There was one super embarrassing story that happened to me towards the end of the conversation. It was like 2003, 2004. It has still deeply, deeply scarred me and deeply scarred the other person involved. Enjoy this conversation as my guest steps into the studio right now. And I remember this other time where uh, I used to always get on punishment and told not to use the phone. You know, I'm honest. I'm I'm literally giving people a picture of what I went through at all aspects Mm -hmm. of my life. Honestly, almost anything goes. It's amazing to, you know, to step into the ring with someone like like him. Who are you and uh, where do you come from? May I I've never met this man, but for years, I watched him work. The man was equal parts stealth bomber and Indiana Jones boulder on the football field as a running back, measuring angles, changing speeds, dodging defenders with the capability of barreling over opponents while striding down the field with a smile on his face. Hmm. One of the few players in the NFL history to escape the Madden curse, gracing the cover in 2001 and not suffering a season-ending injury as a result. From The Ohio State... Coming to a stage near you, Eddie George, it's an honor to have you on the Cabby Presents podcast. Man, thanks for having me, but I love the introduction, man. Well, listen, I, I'm a big fan, and I know you get that a lot, uh, and I can get into my, my fandom uh, later. I don't want to weird you out right from the jump, because it's the first time we're meeting, but I've been a fan for a long time. I know we, we were just speaking about basketball before we started. Uh-huh. Uh, how much do you root for Paul George, because he shares your last name? Oh, actually, when he was balling at Indiana, um, I uh, made a joke to my son, said, yeah, that's our cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Did they believe it? Uh, yeah, but I said, no, he really isn't. But, you know, it's, it's very rare to find a George, other than like Jeff George. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, play, actually, play in Indianapolis, uh, Eddie George, and, uh, of course, Paul George. There's not a lot of Georges, no. but the last name George is in, in professional sports. No. So it's not so, but you have to, so you, do, you have to root for that guy. Well, you got to root for him. So I'm hoping that he comes to Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> What is it about Philly? Like, I mean, you guys, you guys are actively recruiting. I mean, not well, you know, you know LeBron is tossing out there. You know, Kawhi but, might but, be a free but agent LeBron, LeBron, but LeBron is not a good fit for them. Why? Because Ben Simmons is the similar play. He is a younger version of LeBron. He needs the ball in his hands. He's not a, a, a position guy that's going to spot up and shoot a jumper. He needs the ball in his hand to drive. He needs to develop an outside shot. He's not a role player. LeBron 
He's the facilitator. He is like LeBron. He facilitates and he makes plays happen. LeBron can play in the post, though. Not not like you in, think LeBron not, is going we, to play in the post. No, 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 not like in the nineteen nineties. Yeah, not that version, but like high post and just surveying the court. The guy is deadly on the post, and obviously from the yeah. perimeter as well. Because as soon as the, the double team comes, anywhere, like, anywhere he's deadly. You're correct. You're totally right. Okay, when you um when you played football in the nineties, you were one of the first athletes that I knew, uh, and maybe Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had done this in the seventies, which I'm unaware of because before my time, but you. Uh, used yoga mm-hmm. as a, a method of either of meditation or uh, or healing of the body or um, stretching, stretching, or was, mm-hmm. was it just you were just tired of being in locker rooms with fifty other dudes and you needed to be in a smaller space with like twenty or thirty women? Well, I, I took private lessons, so oh, it was, okay. it was so less about it was you didn't get about, the best of both worlds. Well, not then, you know, it was really <laughs> for my game. It was uh, to become more flexible, um, I become stronger in my core. Because as football players, you know, we focus on the legs, explosion, and, and bench press. But uh, back then, we didn't focus on our core. And I didn't realize just how weak my core was. Uh, so it was mainly because of that and injury prevention. Um, to, to stretch my body and put it in put it in, in, in situations where it was very difficult uh, to breathe and in, in, in tough spots and through edges. Um, that's what I kind of learned earlier on. Um, it's it's it really hard helped. to really it, helped. It's hard to visualize you having a uh, like a weak core because <laughs> back in the day I'd watch those Adidas commercials and more specifically the one with you're in the pool and you look like a friggin like yeah. a Michelangelo statue <laughs> like you were cut from marble or some form of like granite or something like that like and and there was there was the one uh, at the end of the commercials like oh they're getting tired and the yeah, lineman's yeah. His eyes yeah you did your homework uh-huh, I'm telling you I've been a fan for a while yeah. Um, so yeah so it's it's weird to, to, to hear that however I mean it it, uh, it must have helped you because you were one of the most durable players of your era and uh-huh. playing like the position where you uh, you absorb the like most the punishment. most pain yeah most punishment you deliver the most punishment yeah but that's why that's why i took yoga your most famous rival the the tennessee titans of the 90s were mm-hmm. the baltimore ravens oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. but we're and, and, and obviously ray lewis was the was the face of, of that franchise um were there were there players that you had underrated or like Unknown rivalries with, like maybe a Junior Seau or a Jeremiah Trotter or a Zach Thomas. Like it wasn't quite as splashy as Ray Lewis, but there was there was still. Oh, some, it, was the, uh, it was the entire Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I mean that that rivalry was was vicious for a while uh, because we we were all in the same conference at one point in time. It was the old AFC uh, Central, and it was us, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Jacksonville, uh, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. And we were all clumped together, so that was uh, a very difficult conference to to navigate through. And in Pittsburgh, they had our number for a while, and it was it was from from man to man. You had um, Godley, you had um, Chad Brown, you had Le'Veon Kirk, uh, uh, Levon Kirkland. uh, oh God, uh, Casey Hampton. I mean, just the linebackers, Joey Porter, young Joey Porter. Right. right. Um, you had thumping safeties that that love to get physical with backs. So that entire defense for a while, I couldn't crack a hundred yards against them at all, let alone fifty. Did you ever in your career? Uh, oh yeah, I, I, eventually. I got him. Eventually, I did, but it wasn't a lot because it was it was a telephone booth, and it was I mean, the linebackers. Were my size or or a little bit bigger across the board, so yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense of that era was was nothing to play with. 
speaking about uh, Ray Lewis, uh, and he's famous for like his pregame speeches and his his outsized energy. Was there any? Who was the guy in in the Tennessee Titans locker room that made similar speeches? Probably me. That was you. you. Know, yeah, absolutely. Were you okay? Can you give us like a little, a couple of lines? Oh, you're man. an actor now, so you you're you know you're able to emote. But, but in see, a different well, way. the thing is, is acting. You have to be truthful in, in imaginary circumstances. <laughs> okay. And 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 that that is not something that you you can just see. If you do it, if you do it like if you if the way you're asking me to do it, it comes across as fake, and it, and it won't. It's it's bad. It's like the Jameis Winston incident. You know, right, where it's premeditated. Yeah, that's premeditated, <laughs> and you thought about it, and you scripted. You can't do that. When you deliver speeches, if you did deliver one, it's such in the moment. It's not something that you say, "I'm going to say this." It's right then and there. It's organic and it's it's heartfelt. You you can't just deliver a speech. Maybe Ray had written his speeches down. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But for me personally, that's guys will read through bullshit BS. Right. They'll read through it. Okay, well, Eddie, as you have been an actor for a few years now, mm-hmm. you have the ability to access parts of your imagination where perhaps on the football field that yeah. part of your brain was not necessary. Uh-huh. We're here now. Can you give me a little sliver of how perhaps you might motivate some some, uh, some of your your brethren to go out and battle on that football field? I, I can't do that. I, I can't. I, I just, I I'm trying hard because because there's no one in here but me, you, and the cameraman. <laughs> Who am I motivating? I mean, I I get what you're motivating saying. Motivating me in I life, you, my friend. I get, I need I get what you're saying, but but you know that was so long ago, man, and. I, I can't. I can't come across corny. I just can't. What if I? Now, I okay. Okay, I'm telling you, that's what would come across. I can't do that. I can't. How about? Okay. How about this for role play? I am your son. Well, how about this? How about you give me a motivational speech? Listen, Eddie. I've no, never, no, 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 no. I've never run for ten thousand yards no, no. in the NFL. It, it doesn't matter. I'm not an all-pro connoisseur guy. of great players. You've studied this. You've listened to Ray. You probably listened to a li- different different guys. Get, Give me one of your be- your favorite um, speeches that you've heard. I, I see how you're, t- you're turning. No, the I'm not turning. <laughs> I'm no, asking I you. It. I want I you agree. to demonstrate for me how you would. What, what if I if I go? Then will you go? I don't know. Huh. <laughs> what? Uh, listen, I will. I will just revert back to my coach, high school coach, Mr. Brown, and uh, he once said uh, to the linebackers. Um, uh, what he, he used to say things like, you guys are the chariots of justice. I want you to, um, uh, uh, open up the gates and bring hell with you. Like some things like that. He had metaphors like that. He was a comic book guy. Okay. Uh, so that's how he would inspire us. But great. Okay. But do you see how, how difficult that is to, you're talking about your old coach inspiring you. You, so I've asked you to demonstrate how you would do it. Do you see how awkward that seems a little? Uh, I'm just saying. Okay, but I, I see your point. Yeah, I see your I point, just, Eddie. But I, just, I, I don't saying. have the reps, my friend. I don't you have right. you you've probably done hundreds of pregame workouts at the Ohio I, State I, I or have, Tennessee. I have. And, and and that's what I'm saying. Though it will not it will not resonate the same. It will not come across the same unless you you're missing the essential elements, my friend. You're missing the the crowd. You're missing the 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 level, the 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 stakes of the game. You're missing the opponent. You're missing the smell of the grass. You're missing all of that. 
comes into play when you're giving one of those speeches. You're missing the noise. You're missing all of it. So that being said, I can't give you there. I don't know what the situation is, the time of season, what's on the line, the the time of year, right? The time of day, the 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 the, the, the scene is not set, and don't create a scene. <laughs> you're not going to create a scene. Because that's not going to happen. I like how you just gave me yeah, the Heisman right, right there. Like, before you start activating yeah. some part of your imagination, let's just put a pause on that. Okay. Yeah. So, let me, let me quickly transition to the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, you've, as you've made that transition a few years ago, um, you play uh, the slick lawyer Billy Flynn in the musical mm-hmm. Chicago, which is uh, here in Toronto for a limited engagement, June 12th mm-hmm. to June 17th. Uh, for the audition, when you auditioned in, was it in Nashville the first time? Or in Tennessee the first time? Mm-hmm. Um, did you have to sing the song Razzle Dazzle? And did you properly know how to hit that splendiferous part of that song? Splendiferous? Isn't there like a splendid in the I, listen, I don't know the song, but um, when I was watching the clip. Oh, how does it go? Uh, give him the old razzle dazzle, razzle dazzle. Give him an act with lots of flash in it, and their reaction will be passionate. Give him the old hocus pocus beat and feather on. How can they see with sequence in your eyes? I'm trying to get this one different. Uh, okay, that's it. Row after row will uh, grow vociferous. Yeah, grow vociferous. Grow vociferous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, give him the old. Um, uh, oh, God, I'm trying to go. Give him the old double whammy. Yeah, there's dizzy him. I skipped over it. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> go up the steps. Uh, and then, uh, hold on. I got to go into my mind. And row after row. Yeah. It's row after row. Uh, row grow vociferous. Uh, okay. That's it. But it's... It wasn't splen- uh, maybe, maybe that was from the movie, the, but not, not the actual... The there is... Um, the, yeah, the stage is different from the movie. So, and that's that's the mistake I made when I went out for uh, uh, Chicago was um, I studied and listened to the version Richard Gere did and I did everything that he did and he would go um, uh, something uh, where he says uh, how can they hear the truth above the roar right <laughs> and I did that on the, the New York stage and the music conductor said oh no 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 you don't don't say roar You'll scare everybody to say roar because it's quite different than the movie, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was fun getting that tidbit and uh, to know what key I had to sing it and all that. So that was that was a lot of fun. At what point did you seek or uh, some kind of validation from your wife Taj mm-hmm. as far as all the music? Yeah. Like like we okay, let me. Can we work together, or do you? When do you feel comfortable enough to be like, okay, you're going to sing in front of her? Because obviously, she's yeah, the, she's the she's the she's the vocalist. She's the, the vocalist in the family, and uh, she's very critical. And she is gave, she? Oh, okay. oh yeah, she no she, kid gloves. No, she takes off the gloves with me, and she was like, "Oh, you sound terrible, oh, or you, you're flat coming in on this, or um, if you want to hit your high notes, smile and use your hands, uh, come from your hips." Uh, when you're singing, going for your high notes, uh, think down. I mean, things, just little little nuances that, that help me get confidence in the technique. And I have a voice coach, the same coach that she put me on. So anything and everything that she tells me to do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, Tony Parker, one, a long time ago, told me, and I've never forgot this, said, happy wife, happy life. 
Yes, that is that's the god honest truth. You keep your your wife happy, you are living a great life. When she's upset, it, the household is upside down, <laughs> and that's not good. You're built for big moments. And did you use the before you go on the stage? Do you use the same self talk that you did when you go on the field? Mm. That's a great question. Um, I do a similar warm up, uh, not as physical, but I, I try to be. Um, Warm and I try to have a good lather of sweat before I go on stage, so I'm not coming on cold. Mm. Um, I when I put on my um, on my outfit um, on the costume, it, I become that character immediately. So I do everything in my dressing room as Billy Finwood on stage. So my conversation, where I'm, where am I coming from, and where am I going? So it's just the stage is just another room that I'm going to in my my visceral world. So it's it's uh, that's my process. So you know, much like on the football field, I had to transform into um, something completely different than myself because you, you the player running back at that era in that era on uh, that time you had to you had to have a killer instinct about you. You had to uh, approach the game differently and, and, and realize that for the next 60 minutes is unadulterated warfare, you know, no disrespect to the military and all of that. But in your mind, you have to think that because you have to impose your will and your, your physical prowess on to an opposing player and to try to come out on top. And that's how you had to think. Were you okay. So when you're working yourself up into a lather, are you doing those, those like vocal exercises, ha 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 ha. ha uh, absolutely. Are you doing? So Eddie George is doing those. Yeah, I'm doing. Are that. you like? Are you in a circle with your other actors, or are you just like in your? As no, you I have it on my phone. I have uh, my vocal warm up on my phone. I'll, I'll pull up that lesson, and I'll um, and I'll do it. In my headsets. I'll just do it out loud. <laughs> I listen. I know. This I guess. I guess you want to ask me to do that, right? I, no. See, can you uh, shut that one up? You're like, I was so hyped. Pre-game speeches. I mean, this nah, is the guy. Pre-game. The truth. Listen, man. Listen, listen. Pre-game. Spe- let me tell you something about pre-game speeches. They can they go overrated? great. They oh. can go great, or they can go horribly wrong. Really? Oh yes. How so? E- either you nail it or you don't. There is no in between. How do you know that you've nailed it? You've nailed it when other guys are locked in. And there's dead silence. You see heads nodding, and guys are are feeling it. Or you just a blank stare, and there's a look of like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and Snickers, and that's when it can go horribly wrong. There is no in between. You got to either feel it or you don't. You just can't come up with something off the top of your mind and go, because that's when it can go really bad. Pre-game speeches are tricky in that way. Sometimes it's better not to say anything. Just let the emotion just carry you through. You know what I'm saying? Again, if you (laughs) rehearse it and you script it out, it's going to go bad. I'm telling you, it's not going to go well at all. Okay, speaking of going bad, have you had a moment where... When you're on stage, oh yes, and, and where it, you know, the, I mean, the audience is just like this, or watching the entire spectacle. But for you, you're so aware of like what you're doing, and then the people around you. But has it gone pretty bad for you, where you're like, oh yeah, that either I was- forgot my lines uh, oh. my first time. I, I'll, I'll never forget it. I, I made up something on the spot, and uh, the ensemble knew that I was off key, and uh, but the audience didn't. But you can sense that I was lost 
And I, I was so fearful <laughs> that uh, I just made something up and just walked off the stage and just left everybody else out there. Wait, were you supposed to leave the stage at no, that moment? No, I was not. I was oh. supposed to stay out there. And, and they were just like, okay. <laughs> you get, they were all laughing. After we got off stage, they laughed and kind of patted me on the back and said, oh, congratulations. You 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 passed the first test. You you improvised. You saved yourself. <laughs> they have often had that moment on dates with oh. women, my friend, where I'm just like, this is going horribly wrong. I need to. Just- Are you rehearsing what you say? What, on dates? Do you, no, no, no. It's, it's do, you script, do you script no, no, your, no. the topics you're going it's to It's fully organic, but there are times where I've had to pull the pin and just like... Give me yeah. an example. Like, how, how, that, how did that happen? Oh, how when it's gone horribly wrong? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you one of the... I've never admitted this before. There was... I was on a, on a, on a beach. It was nighttime. We're looking at the moon. And it was a little bit cold. And then, so, and then, like, you know, we were like... Our faces were close or whatever. And then, you know, I leaned in for... I, I said something about the moon and the reflection in the moment. Mm. I'm, it was... It so I leaned in, you know, for a kiss, and then my nose was running. Oh, God. And then my my nose ran onto her face. Oh, jeez. Oh, 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 that's awful. And then I had, oh. but then I had to, I Did had to feel it. Yeah, because I, I had to wipe, I had to wipe it off her face, Eddie. Mm, and then I was like, it's, it's time to go. It's time to go. Oh, you can listen on stage. There's no mistakes. There aren't. It's an opportunity. For what? A learning experience? No, no, no. You could have flipped that. You could have flipped it. I could have flipped that? Yeah. Yeah, you could have. What could could I have done? You say, you know, you could have made up something on the spot like, hey, you know, this is what you do to me. You know, you make my (laughs) nerves. You make my nerves shake, and and this is what happens. I apologize. You get a little snot on you. You get that off, and... You feel better? That's all. <laughs> I'm sorry for getting that on you. Eddie, I need There's some other things I like to get on you, but you, oh, you know, yeah. there, there's other ways you could have turned that into a positive. So, you know, a little snot could have led to, you know. And it, and it didn't. But it you did. panicked. Oh, did I ever? That's I what you the, can't do. You can't panic. The moment. You can't panic. Eddie, I need you as a life coach. I know this is our first time meeting. I hope that I get to meet you again because this is, this conversation was like was so short. wasn't It wasn't long enough for oh, the things man. that I need to absorb from you, sir, and your life experience. God, man, I, you know I I enjoyed this. I mean, I'm really having a lot of fun talking. To you. I could do this all day. Can you? Yes. Can you stay? Right, yeah, <laughs> um, okay. Well, listen. Um, for people in Toronto, you can catch it Chicago. Again, it's June 12th to June 17th at the Ed Mervish Theater. It's a limited run. I will be there. I, I'm not sure like where, but I'll be there. Bring your girl, too. Are you still dating her, by the way? No, that girl, no. I, that, that, that that fell apart oh, quickly. Oh, I'm actually, I don't even think I saw her again after that, that night. That was, uh, that, was like, go, that was a football game, and I was like, oh, like, I was like, Minus nine with a couple of fumbles. Here's your opportunity to make it up to her. You have her come to the show and say, listen. No, no, but I'm with a girl now. Like, I would rather bring my... Oh, you're saying to to make amends with the original. Make amends. I mean, something to think about. Thank you. Here's a a couple tickets. My boy Eddie is in the show. Come through. (laughs) You know, come backstage. Have a chance to throw up the jazz hands. (laughs) I promise you, you know, no snot will be flying around right. this time. You're just going to be spittled. Yeah, exactly. From all the singing <laughs> stuff. Uh, thank you very much for being here. It's uh, it's wonderful to to spend some time with you. And again, um, 
uh, when you, I know you do multiple things out there in the world, uh, but if it comes to mentoring and life coaching, sir, uh-huh. as well as all the business stuff, uh, please let me know when you're going to activate that part activate of your brain, part. and I will be there, front center, looking like this, learning from one of the greats. <laughs> will do, my man. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Eddie George. This was Cappy Presents, the podcast. 